0: And if you have your copy of God's word with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter five. If you were with us last week, we spent some time looking at the genealogy of Cain. We get seven generations in his line and then no more. There isn't any other data on the children of Cain. This week, we will see the other side of this. We talked about that there are two bloodlines, two seeds. The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. We are going to be talking about today the bloodline of Adam. Or the bloodline of Seth. I'm um, depending on who you start with. This will be the children of God, the children of promise, the remnant, the faithful. They have many names in Scripture. In the New Testament were called the church. And it's important to see, as we read this passage, that God provided and preserved a remnant, to put it differently. God kept a people unto himself. After the death of Abel, we can understand why Adam and Eve would be dismayed. For both Abel died and Cain was cast out. Who would continue that line? Who would be that seed? Who would fulfill God's promise? And yet it's also just as important to recognize that God operates on God's timing. And I would dare say that a lot, for many of us, a lot of our frustration in this life, a lot of our angst, a lot of our self-inflicted worry comes from us thinking God is not working fast enough. I have a close friend and co-laborer in ministry I've known him since high school. We worked together for many years. And he and his wife, for over 12 years, their greatest desire was to have children. And we would pray. And we would pray. And we would pray. And we would pray. And yet, no children. It didn't seem to be in the cards. They tried everything, humanly speaking. Well, now... Twenty years later, Jason and Holly have three beautiful girls. They did everything from a worldly standpoint, and yet God's timing was different for their lives. God has provided them three children biologically and through natural means. God's timing, God's ability to create life and to preserve and sustain life is something that we don't need to take for granted. And, And in fact, I would argue we should appreciate And celebrate each and every time. May we never become so self-confident and so self-sufficient. That we forget to leave room for God's plan and God's timing. Adam, as we will read, got to see his bloodline to the ninth generation. Oh, how they had to hurt at the loss of Abel. And yet... For over 900 years, he was granted to walk on this earth and see his descendants and their descendants and their descendants and their descendants on down. God preserves a people unto himself. With that in mind, let us read this beautiful passage that tells us of God's preservation and God's fulfillment of his promise. Look with me at Genesis chapter 5. You can also find this in... Um, The outline on your bulletin and I will read this morning God's word all 32 verses of this chapter this is the book of the generations of Adam when God created man he made him in the likeness of God male and female he created them and he blessed them and he named the man when they were created When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all of the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahilalel. Kenan lived, after he fathered Mahilalel, 840 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all of the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahilalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahilalel lived, after he fathered Jared, 830 years, and had other sons and daughters, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 800 or 782 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all of the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was five hundred years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The grass may wither and the flower may fall, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. And he has promised us it will accomplish everything he has set out for it. Would you once again please go with me to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing upon this day. How precious it is, O Father. To have these names recorded in your word. To know that they lived. To know that they walked with you. To know that they served your purpose. To fulfill your plan in keeping a people unto yourself. Oh Father may as we have heard your word this morning. And as we prepare to respond to it. May we long to be written in your book. May we long to have our days numbered. And may we come to see that you've counted each one of them. Help us to see the beauty in your word this day. Pour out your spirit upon us, that seeing we may see, hearing we may hear. That we may place these truths inside of our heart, that we might not sin against you. Give us the strength for these things, O God. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Biblical genealogies are probably the one section of Scripture that are often overlooked. I will admit to you, this section is quite entertaining at two and a half speed on audiobook, as is the entirety of Leviticus. (laughs) However, before we zone out this morning, I do want us to appreciate at least two aspects of this passage. These are real people who really lived. Genealogies give credibility. Things that we can cling on to when it comes to trusting the Bible. Make note when you hear of people, of places and events that can be verified in historical ways. And don't minimize this. You know, Dr. Vodi Bauckham has a phenomenal series on YouTube, and it's most likely also a book, um, and I would encourage you to look up why I choose to believe the Bible. He has preached this lecture many times in many different conferences, and he gives a very strong reason and rationale to cling to the historical data in the Bible, and I entreat that to you. I promise you, you will be blessed by it. The second reason we should appreciate passages such as these is because of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture, once again, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Even the sections we don't understand, even the sections that we aren't quite sure of their place and their purpose, God has promised us they are beneficial to your soul. And so I plea with you to hang in there with me this morning as we unpack a wonderful book of promise and a wonderful book of God's faithfulness. And to do this, to see these things, I want us to really unpack three aspects of our passage. Three truths we can walk away with this morning. First, the children of God will reflect their fathers. We find this in the first three verses. Secondly, God will preserve a people unto himself. We see this in the totality of the passage, but especially in verses 3 through 32. And then finally... We must understand, sin's consequences remain. They are real. And unless we find forgiveness, we are without hope. We see that again in the totality of the passage, but in particular in verses 5 through 32. Walking through this passage this morning, let's begin by seeing that the children of God reflect their father's And it's interesting that at this juncture we get a recap of the first two chapters of Genesis. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Note, this language draws us back to the creation account. It is meant to remind us, to pull us to that moment, that moment of creation, that that moment when God, by the power of His mouth, his, His speaking into existence, made this world and made mankind. Man and woman are created in His image, after His likeness. Because of this and this alone, we must value human life. And treat it with dignity and honor at all costs. And we should also note that this characteristic or these characteristics would be passed on from generation to generation to generation. Mankind would be made in the image of God. You and I bear reflection of the image of God. Now as we have gone into a sinful world and as uh, the deterioration of the, the human genetic form continues to grow... That may be harder and harder to see, but that doesn't negate the fact that it is there. Even Cain himself and Cain's own line would bear the image of God. Again, just as a reminder and drive the point home, this means we must treat all people with dignity and respect. That we must preserve and promote life at all cost in every opportunity that we have. Moreover, as we look back to these words, as we hear this creation language, we're reminded that God didn't only create them in His image and after His likeness, but He blessed them. Now, partially this blessing is the ability to reproduce. And we see this in both lines, both in the line of Cain and both in the line of Seth. Children, generations, Last Sunday and today, these are the generations. We can go back to Eve and God's um, sentence upon her Your childbirth will be difficult. He doesn't say you won't be able to bear children. And the third thing we need to understand from this passage, and especially in this section, is that man or the children of God will reflect their fathers. Now that wasn't a grammatical error on my part, although you should always make that assumption anytime you read something I write. That's always fair. That's intentional. Man will bear the image of their fathers. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. Now as we just saw... Seth would bear the image of God. As a child of Adam, he would bear God's image. But we also don't want to miss that Seth now bears the image of his father, his earthly father. Which means Adam is sinful. Adam is fallen. So is Seth. And we should see that and conclude that Seth is born unto sin. Generation after generation, we see sin continue to grow in and on the earth. We are all born unto sin after our father, Adam. This is the great effect of the fall. There has been only one perfect person in the Bible, and his name is Jesus. And it's worth reminding even when sin is not recorded for an individual, that doesn't mean it's not present. That just means that that was not part of God's story for us today. And we see this and we know this, those of us who are parents, or if you've spent enough time around people, um, uh, parents, and, and children, they do tend to reflect um, their parents, don't they? My children have already, at a a young age, um, fallen in love with board games. That's not to be surprised. My oldest has fallen in love with correcting people every time they're wrong because he's the only one that can be right. Don't know where that came from. (laughs) Just don't talk to my mother or any of my teachers I've ever had because they'll tell you, oh, yeah, that's about fair. I do believe my grandmother's laughing in heaven at the sight of it. Children bear our image. They reflect us and our natures in some ways, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing, unless we see and are reminded that they reflect our sin, our tendencies, our negative characteristics as well. And again, I love putting this in here, and I I say this in all the love that I can, dear children, you are most likely going to grow up to be just like your parents. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you can say, I'll take the good and I'll Work on the rest. And recognize we're still doing the same. But may we not ignore the fact that sin is passed on from generation to generation. And as it continues, man is driven further and further from the purity of Adam and Eve as they live in a sin-filled world. But don't despair either. This is sometimes a hard truth. This is a hard truth to accept. But there is hope in the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ can and does overcome our weaknesses and generational tendencies. The gospel can and will transform lives and make all things new. God is all about preserving a people unto himself. And in declaring their identity in him, not in themselves. In fact, look with me at our second section to see how he was doing this in the line of Adam. God will preserve a people. And it's in this section we we see that the line of promise is continuing. Generation through generation. Year after year after year. Mankind continues to spread. And there's many that are born that aren't listed. As you, as you heard, these, these figures, these snapshots of people are pulled out, and they had many other children. But we're given a sketch, a, a brief moment in time. And I want to isolate out four people from this bloodline. At the end of chapter 4, we're told this. In those days, people began to call on the name of the Lord. The final words of that chapter, and then we go immediately into this section. This is tying that proclamation to the line of Seth. And Calvin notes something very interesting about that in particular. We may readily conclude that Seth was upright and faithful, a servant of God. And after he begat a son like himself and rightly constituted the family, the face of the church began to appear and the worship of God would have been set up and continued to posterity we have generational worship taking place in this bloodline. Isn't that the prayer of us as parents today? Isn't that one of our greatest longings? That our bloodline, that through it, that we would see God continue a worship of himself. And so we celebrate that God does this and God does so in his timing. Another Person I want to make note of in this genealogy is Jared's son, Enoch. Enoch, if you did lay them side by side, the um, he would be paired to Lamech and the line of Cain. Now, you have to be careful. There's a lot of duplicate names here. Enoch is the same generationally as Lamech, both at the seventh. Lamech, if you remember from last week or look back to chapter 4, proclaims his identifying marker, his claim to fame. He sings this song to his multiple wives. Look at how I strike someone down because they offend me. Look at how much better I am at murder than my father Cain. That is who he claims to be. In contrast, in the book of Jude, we actually have recorded for us the words of Enoch. Let's listen to this generational cousin. Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things, the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. One generation proclaiming his sin and holding it up as a celebration and the other one crying out, Dear people, you need God and you need his forgiveness for judgment is coming. That really encapsulates and, and epitomizes these two bloodlines. It, it really speaks to being a, a child of the serpent or a child of the woman or children of God and children of the devil. Judgment is coming. And the third in this line is, is worth singling out is Lamech from the line of Seth. Not only does he bear the same name as the Lamech from the line of Cain, but we have his words recorded. So again, song of Lamech in Cain's line, Behold my sin. The song of Lamech in the line of Seth, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one, being Noah, shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech of Seth's line longed to see the curse undone. Paul's right there. What do we see generations later in this line? Knowledge of the curse. Knowledge of the fall and a longing to see it undone. How could they know that other than it was taught? It was proclaimed. It was told children to children to children to children. Children of God, you must remember these words. You must remember these promises. You must remember these warnings. You must not forget what has been recorded for you in this book. That's what we see in the line of Seth. That's what we see in Lamech as he proclaims this over his son Partially, we assume that he's hoping that Noah would be that seed. Remember, there's that hope of that a child of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. So there is some of that there. But then also, there's this trusting in God, that God would bring relief. Now, he did in Noah. Just not in the way anyone would have expected, but we'll be talking about that for the next four chapters. Now, I don't want to miss that... Um, Fewer and fewer people clung to these promises. We have to be realistic here and fully understand that by the time we get to Noah, it says that no one was righteous. Noah himself was declared upright before God, he and he alone, which means that corruption took over both the line of Seth and the line of Cain. However, don't miss that there was a thread. There was a remnant. God did preserve. It just got really thin in this moment in history. And Noah himself is uh, the fourth figure that we would want to look at in this bloodline. Noah is told, or we are told, trust in God. He remains faithful in a world of faithlessness. I know we see the world today as bad and rightly so. I don't think any of us would say that only I am left. That I alone trust in the Lord. That's where Noah found himself. Alone. With God. May it never become so again. We pray that each and every day. Or at least we should. But consider that if God can keep a faithful remnant even in the line of one He can continue to do so in our season, through our situation, through our historical moments. And then not only did God preserve Noah, but he preserved Noah's wife, his three sons and their wives. Why? To continue the line. To continue the line. Male and female. That's what it takes to have children. To preserve And before we move forward, I do want to take just a second and appreciate that God is still doing this today. God is preserving His church. Jesus died for her. While the world seems to bear down upon it, and the the weight of the media, and the weight of the culture, and the weight of everything against us seems to get heavier and heavier. No, dear Christian, That God has been preserving a people unto himself since the beginning. Depending on your view and understanding of history, it could be as few as 6,000 years or millions of years, depending on how you interpret the first chapters of this book. But think about that. At least 6,000 years, God has been saying, I will keep my name. I will keep my people. He's not failed yet, and he won't. That should give us hope the church remains and the church stands and it serves as a light in a dark world we must see and we must appreciate that god preserves a people unto himself now i say that and also recognize that quite often that was done through persecution god didn't say no you're not going to babylon no twice you're going to babylon No, you're not going to Egypt. Oh, you're going to Egypt. Oh, you're wandering in the desert for 40 years. Oh, your temple is going to be destroyed and you're going to be scattered to the farthest corners of the earth. And what happened each time? The gospel exploded. God's word, God's proclamation, God's people spread to the far corners of the world. So may we not be ignorant and and take a naive understanding of this, that everything will be fine and wonderful and delightful. It may mean our persecution. But even in persecution, there's preservation. And yet at the same time, we we must, we must, as we look at this passage, and as we think about our lives and, and even look forward to what is to come, we must recognize that there is sin. And that there's consequences for sin and that it remains in this world. I invite you to look with me one last time at our passage as a whole to see this being true. And eight times... Eight times this passage comes to a common refrain. I hope you heard it. And he died. It begins with Adam and goes all the way through Lamech. God's promise was that there would be death as a consequence of sin. And God cannot be trusted if that promise is not fulfilled. And think about this. Out of all of these deaths... Adam's was probably the hardest. It it, it probably hurt the most. For 930 years, he remained alive. And it's possible, it's quite likely, that he concluded, well, as long as you're not murdered, you get to stay alive. Think about it. Over and over. He would have remembered. He was there. He heard God say that there will be death for your sin. But he had a birthday and then another one and then another one and then another one and his children had children and his children had children and his children had children. On and on and on and on and on. For 929 years he continued and probably got to thinking, well that's not so bad. We have a hard time even thinking that long a time period. I'll, I will admit, I had, to, I had to look this up because my mind doesn't think, history has always been a weakness for me. Um, but back Let's go back 900 to 1,000 years ago. That would put us around the time of the Crusades at 1099. The middle of the 11th century, you've got the major schism in the Catholic Church, splitting it into the Eastern and Western contingents. Gunpowder was invented. I had to include that one in there. And the Middle Ages was in its second era, the High Middle Ages. That's how long ago we're talking. That's what it would be like to be Adam to see all of that history, to see that progression, to, to feel all of those moments. It's hard for us to even think back that far. And yet, over and over, again and again, those long lives, 800, 900, to Methuselah, almost very close to 1,000 years, but they did not escape death, with one exception. But one, and this is fascinating to me, this is truly a remarkable point of our text. Enoch. Enoch lived 365 years, also correlates with the days of the year. I don't know why, I will tell you that. But I know that God is intentional. And what happens with Enoch? he walked with God. Did you hear it in the text? Again and again, what is he defined as? What is he characterized as? As a man who walks with God. Over and over again, Enoch who walked with God. Enoch who walked with God. Enoch who walked with God. And then he was no more. Again, to quote Calvin, this clause, speaking of Enoch, which records the death of each patriarch, is by no means superfluous. Correct me on that later, Michael. For it warns us that death was not in vain. And that we're now exposed to the curse which man was doomed unless we obtain deliverance elsewhere. The only one in this line that did not see death, what is he defined by? His walking with God. Life is precious. We have seen that in our passage today. And yet at the same time, Death is inevitable. The writer in Ecclesiastes, I'm convinced Solomon, says this There is a time for everything under the sun, a time to be born, and a time to die. Death will find all of us one way or another. Or, God willing, Christ will come back and we will be transformed immediately. However, don't ignore Calvin's plea. Man is doomed unless we obtain deliverance. Our bodies are mortal. We need to consider immortality. Life, even in this lengthened state, comes to an end. You cannot outlive death. It's not coincidental that the only one that escapes it in this line clings to God. And so I ask, how do you flee the punishment that death affords? By clinging to God. How do you flee the second death? That is the full and total wrath of God. Being poured out on your life due to your sin. By clinging to God. So we find ourselves at an important question at this point And Dr. Kevin DeYoung says you must ask it of this text. How can I walk with God? Here is your answer. Here's the word of God. Remember what we said at the beginning about Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. Hold dear to this book. But it goes further than simply reading it. Believe it. Trust in it. Stake your life right here. Daily strive to live holy before a holy God. Peter tells us, Therefore be holy from the Lord, for I, thy Lord, thy God, is holy. And then recognize you can't do it. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot hold this book before you and say, I will will it. That I will cling to it. I will will it on my own power. I will will it in my own strength. I will will it by my own ability. You can't do it. What happened to each of these men? And they died. That was their ability. What happened to Enoch? He trusted and walked with God, and he was no more. Please pray, O oh God, save me, keep me preserve me and not just me but those around me my family my children my generations my neighbors my coworkers your only hope in this life and in the life to come is the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that's all you need that's all it takes my prayer for each one of us here today and those joining us online is that you appreciate man and woman have been made in the image of God. This can and must come out in how we treat one another. This will come out in how we as the church love those who society deems unworthy of love. The world is watching, dear Christian. I pray that you also see that God will and does preserve a people unto himself. Over and over, season after season, generation after generation, God protects and preserves his line a faithful people unto himself. God, not man, saves through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then finally, and very importantly, we must weigh the weight of sin and that weight is death and we must flee it the name noah and we'll talk about this over the next several sermons means relief or rest Lamech's plea unto god O oh god would you give us someone to bring relief or rest and as we will see how does god do that he does it through judgment and he does it through preservation Preservation of his people and judgment of those who have rejected him and his ways. And that is righteous and that is holy. And we'll be talking about that for some time. But I just want to conclude looking ahead. While Noah's name means relief, he did not provide relief. God did. God was the one that declared Noah righteous, not Noah. God was the one that came to Noah and gave him a vision of the ark. God provided the animals. And then, very importantly, and we'll emphasize this again when we get there, God shut the door to the ark, not Noah. Sin brings death, but there is life for those who trust in the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it is sometimes quite difficult to look at our own mortality. It is sometimes quite difficult to look at our generations, those that have gone before us and those that will go after us. It's quite difficult sometimes to look at this world and and see how it is going and, and conclude, God, where are you? But you have proven yourself again and again in your word century after century, over and over. And you've promised that you will keep a people unto yourself. Oh Lord, my strongest desire for this church, for Christ the Redeemer, is that on the day of judgment, we are one of the churches that remained faithful. May it not be said of us that we forgot our first love. May it not be said of us that we became too consumed by the cares of this world. May it not be said that we forgot the needs of the people that you had put before us. But may we be one to say, you have fought the good fight, you have finished the race. Now enter into my rest. Lord, we need you and you alone this day and every day. And press that upon our hearts through the bloodline of Adam and through this, your word. We pray all of this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.